your Bibles and stand to your feet this morning, please. We're going to boldly go where no one has gone before. We're going to boldly declare the word of our confession this morning. Repeat this after me. Say, Father in heaven, thank you for this word. It is your personal love letter to me, and I receive it. It is the absolute truth, and I believe it. It's the answer to my questions and the answer to the world's issues. Lord, today, my ears are ready to hear your word. My heart is ready to receive your word. And I, by faith, am ready to be a doer of the word in Jesus' name. Now, Father, I pray the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart would be pleasing and acceptable in your sight. Oh, Lord, my strength and my redeemer, let me only say what you want me to say. Let me only do what you want me to do this day. We ask these things in the name of our precious Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ, and all who agreed shouted, Amen. Amen. It is good to see your faces on this beautiful, yesterday, oh man, come on, are you guys not ready for summer after yesterday? I was like, and then you woke up this morning and it's like, what? 41 degrees? Oh, yesterday was such a sweet, sweet taste of summer. Mm. Man, we had the windows down in the car. Oh, it was so awesome. We've always been we've always been winter people, but I don't know if it's because I'm getting older. And I'm not old, but I don't know if it's because I'm getting older. I appreciate the summertime more now. I think that kind of happens with age, which is why when people get older, where do they go? Most people who live in New England, when they get old, where do they go? Florida. So you guys know. <laughs> Oh, man, that's so funny. That's awesome. I love that. Poor thing. So we're going to hopefully have some early warm weather. Um, you know, you, they say that you can tell by the size of a squirrel whether or not you're going to have uh, a... Uh, uh, just, just watch this, okay? You can tell by the fatness or leanness of a squirrel and how they gather in the, in the fall time whether or not you're going to have a, you know, a crazy winter. So we've been watching the squirrels outside my house, and we have squirrels that look like miniature pinchers. Have you guys ever seen those little dogs? Just think of the size of a chihuahua and go one size up from that. Those are the size of the squirrels in my house, and uh, not in my house, but around my house. (laughs) All of a sudden, we need a BB gun now at home. But those are the size of the squirrels around my house, and we watch them all all autumn long, waiting, waiting. We're going to have a crazy winter. We're going to have a crazy winter. And it's not coming. And here we are, January the 8th, and I realized something. We have one of the only chestnut trees in our town. There's only two, and we have one. Now I realize why we have such fat squirrels. It's because we, we have one of the chestnuts trees. There's only two. So we have the fat squirrel area. So if you want to see some squirrels that look like dogs, all you have to do is come by my place, and you'll see them running around. And uh, have you ever seen a squirrel, like, while they're, they, they just kind of watch you? They don't see straight. They see out of the side. And they're just like... And they're kind of gnawing on their little nut. You ever seen them? Weird. You wonder, does this thing have rabies? Is it coming towards me? You know, what's, what's about to happen? What is this squirrel thinking? So, I don't know. Just a, it's an amazing time of year. Would you open up your Bibles, please, to the book of Matthew? Matthew is the first gospel recorded in our New Testament. Do you know what a testament is? No, it's not the mint that they sell at the Christian bookstore, testaments. They used to sell those. But do you know what a testament is? When you die, you leave, usually leave something to, you leave an inheritance to people. And in order to get that inheritance, you must have had a 
will. And the will is actually fully called your last will and testament. Your last will and testament. And so we have this new testament, which is a new covenant. Jesus came and brought us a new covenant, which is unlike the old covenant. So if you're reading the Old Testament scriptures and you're like, why are these dudes sacrificing animals? Well, you have to understand that that's the old covenant. And that was sort of like a, a, a type of what was, was to come. And that's Jesus. Jesus was the eternal and ultimate sacrifice that brought brought us back to you, that brought you and I back to God. And so we have a will. God has left us his will. A lot of people come before God, they say, God, I want to know your will. And God's saying it is right there in this book. It is right there. This is my will. This is my will and testament for you. But God, it was written like, you know, maybe compiled like maybe like a thousand or so years ago. This is my will for you. This is my will for you. A lot of people graduating right now. A lot of people moving off to the next generation and they don't know their purpose and don't know their will in this life. We are graduating a lot of people who are like, I don't don't know. I I just, I heard this. Somebody wants to go to a college that has good music program and great parties. That's how they've determined how they're going to go to college. I want a college with a good music program and great parties. I went to school with people who partied every day of the week. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday again. They partied every single day. The most liberal school in the state of Rhode Island. It's unbelievable. And they drank and drank and drank. And you know what? I just could not even believe how they could. They come out of college. They have no idea what they're doing. I just saw one of my old bosses from college yesterday. I worked in college. And he said, hey, man, did you have a hard time kind of like getting into society after college? I said, no. I said, I knew what I was doing. I, I, w- I thought I was going to be a police officer. And I tried that, but that didn't work. And I said, I'm, I'm actually a youth minister now. And he's like, whoa. He's like, a lot of people have no idea what they're doing when they graduate. And he's what he said. They don't want to graduate. They just want to stay where it's safe. I'm telling you, this is God's will for even our generation. It doesn't matter that it may be a 1,000 plus years old. It is God's will for you today. Do you agree with that? Can you accept that? Yeah, if you accept that and you agree with that, your life will be different. Your life will be better. You will not be an average, ordinary teenager, okay? I don't want to be an average person. I want to be a hero. And the way I'm going to be a hero is not by being ordinary. And there's nothing wrong with, you know, hey, man, I can't find my skills. I can't find what I'm good at. God has a perfect plan for you. God will make you a hero. God will make you somebody that will stand up, not because you're great and excellent in everything you do, but because he has put his spirit in you. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Are you ready to get into what God has for us today? We're in a brand new year, 2012. I don't want you to go through this year the way you went through every year of your life. This is going to be the best year of your life. This will be the best year of your life. You say, how can you know that? Are you a fortune teller? Did you go to the future, come back, and you saw my future? No, because I know the one who created the future. I know the one who owns the past. I know the one who stands outside of time. The one who was there before the foundations of the earth. The one who created you. You can have the best year of your life, but you know what? You have to make it happen. You have to make it happen. God has got it right there for you. You've got to reach out and grab it. You've got to choose that this is going to be the best year of your life. Does that mean that you're not going to go through trials? No, it doesn't. Does that mean that bad things aren't going to happen? No, it doesn't. The Bible teaches us that the rain falls on the just and the unjust. Jesus himself said, yes, in this world, you're going to have tribulations, which means you are going to struggle. But be of good cheer because I've overcome the world. So if Jesus is in you, what does that make you? If Jesus overcame the world and he's in you, what does that make you? Say it like you mean it. A what? 
an overcomer. If Jesus is in you, then you're an overcomer. Okay? Don't respond to the circumstances of your life. You know, don't start having a good year and all of a sudden somebody passes away and it's gone, oh, this year's going to stink. Or, or you know, you, you end up failing and having to stay back. I'm not saying that's going to happen. You fail a test and you're worried, what am I going to do? This year is terrible. No. Make the decision that no matter what comes your way, it's going to be the best year of your life. Make the decision. I'm not going to respond to what happens to me. I'm going to make a decision. This is going to be the best year of my life. And if we really want to do that, then we've got to get connected with God's Holy Spirit. The way that God is speaking in these last days is really not through the voice of prophets. The way that God is speaking in these last days is by His Holy Spirit. How do I know that? Because you read the New Testament, and Jesus said, when I go up into heaven, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. In other words, I'm not going to leave you as without a, a shepherd or a father. I'm going to send someone to you. He's going to be your comforter. He's going to be your guide. So the Spirit of God is the voice that we need to develop. If we really want to move forward in 2012, if we really want to have the best year of our life, we've got to learn to listen to the Spirit. And one of the ways that we learn to listen to the Spirit is through prayer. Let me ask you a question. How many of you struggle or have ever struggled with how to pray correctly? How many of you struggle with how to pray or have ever struggled with how to pray correctly? Just think about it for a moment because I think many of us would probably end up putting our hands up. How do I come before God? Do I, have to call, do I have to talk to Him like in the King James language? Do I have to say certain words? You see, if we're going to develop the voice of the Holy Spirit, we have to know how we can even come before God. And this morning, I want to begin talking about how we can approach God in prayer. Over the next couple of weeks, we're going to look at praying effectively in 2012. Because one of the things I learned when I was your age is that, you know, I really didn't know how to pray correctly. And I grew up in a Christian church. You guys go to school, you learn reading, writing, and arithmetic. You learn science. But who teaches you how to pray? Who, who teaches you, should you stand, should you kneel, should you sit down, should you lay down? Who, who teaches you what to say? You see, we go to school to learn things like arithmetic and writing and, 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 and languages. But what, where do we learn to pray? If we don't have a teacher, we're kind of left alone. So that's what God started to reveal. We need to learn to pray and we need to learn to pray together. Now, God has given us an example. Are you in Matthew chapter 6? Are you in Matthew chapter 6? I'd like you to go to verse 7, and as you go to verse 7, I want you to look up at me and answer this question for me. Why do we pray? I would say there's many reasons, there's many ways, but why do we pray? Why do we pray? Help me out. Zach? Okay, we might pray for forgiveness, okay? Why else do we pray? How many of you, how many of you maybe start off your prayers by going before God and asking for forgiveness? How many of you may start that way? Okay? Just be honest with yourself and be honest with Yeah, how many of us? Okay. Many of us start off by going to God and, and asking for forgiveness. We're going to learn over the next couple of weeks whether or not that's the first thing we should do. What, what else? Why else do we pray? Go ahead, Jack. To thank Him. Okay, very good. Why else? Katie? Healing. We might pray to seek God's healing. Susie? To draw closer to Him. Ding, 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 ding. Yeah, that's the answer I wanted. Um, what else? There are other reasons. Go ahead. We might ask for wisdom and guidance. Why else do we pray? Go ahead, Epiphany. Oh, she just said it. Okay. Brittany, you got an answer? No? Okay. No other answers? Good. Those are all good answers. Those are all great answers. We're going to look at how Jesus has taught us to pray. So you go to school, 
and you have a teacher, at least one teacher. But many of you are in a school now where you have like six teachers, right? Five or six teachers. Okay. You've got one teacher who teaches you arithmetic, another teacher who teaches you foreign language, another teacher who teaches you English. Well, Jesus is the teacher of all things. He is our teacher for all things. That's why he's called the shepherd. So I want you to see this now. What we're about to read, Jesus teaches us how to pray. Let's read it. Matthew chapter 6, verse 7. When you're there, say, I got it. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions. Time out. 21st century, please, Mr. Kurt, Jesus. Empty words, okay? When you pray, do not use empty words and repeat them over and over again as the heathen or the people who don't know God. That's what they do. For they think that they will be heard for their many words. They think they're going to be heard for their many words. Okay, inventory. How many of us go before God and we throw up a bunch of these words in hopes that if we say the right thing, he'll hear us and answer our prayer? Oh, you liars. Come on, we all do it. Come on. Many of us have come to that place where we, we, we get all these good words together. If I say this word, I think he'll really know what I mean. But the Bible teaches us that God looks at our heart. So Jesus is saying, don't be like the heathen do, verse 8. Therefore, don't be like them. For your father, everyone say father. Say father. Okay, for your father knows the things you have need of before you ask him. In this manner, therefore, pray. Our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Jesus is not necessarily giving us the right words to pray. Hear me now. This is so important. Many people have missed it. When I played football, peewee football, I know you find that hard to believe because I'm, you know, long and scraggly and, and, and lanky, but I used to be nice and chunky. I used to be nice and chunky. I was a good-sized boy. In fact, I was, so, I was such a good size. Do you know what position football I played? No. I, I was a tackle and a nose guard. I was a tackle. And you know what? I tackled. I was good, man. I did my job well. But then I got really thin, and I got older, and I was like, okay, if I'm going to get out there, i got to put some meat on these bones. And uh, so I stopped playing. But anyways, I still love football. Here's the point. Before every game and at the end of every practice, this is what we used to do. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not in the way of temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Hey! That's what we used to do. And there is a culture. We've sort of taken on the words of Jesus, and we've acted like this is the words that we should pray. But understand something here. Jesus is not so much giving us the right words to pray as he is giving us the method in approaching God, how we should pray. So don't get hung up on the Our Father. People call it the Our Father prayer, and that's great. But I'm telling you, Even these words have turned into empty words when you don't know the heart of approaching God. Understand, Jesus is not saying, say these words to God. It's the perfect prayer. He's saying, in this manner or in this way, you should approach God. This morning, we're only going to look at one phrase, one line. That's it, one line. And that line is, our Father in heaven. In this one little prayer... We could spend the entire year 
talking about what Jesus said in this one little prayer. I want you to read this with me again, the first part. It says, verse 9, In this manner, therefore, or in this way, therefore, pray, our Father in heaven. How you approach God in prayer will determine if, how, and what you'll ever receive from him. How you approach God in prayer will determine if you ever receive from him, will determine how you receive from him, and will determine what you will receive from him. Jesus started off this prayer by saying, Our Father. Pause. Right now, I want you to take a moment and I want you to think about how you view God. God. How do you view God? How do you view him? Is God like the mythological Zeus who's up there with lightning bolts ready to chuck down on people who are disobedient? Is that how you view God? Do you view God as so busy with the business of the universe that he doesn't care about your broken finger? Do you view God as a taskmaster? I want you to do this. I want you to do this. And when you're done with that, I want you to do this. And when you're done with that, I want you to stay up late and do this. How do you view God? Pause. Think about it. Just think. Think about how you approach God in prayer. How do you see God? Here's the greatest way to think about how, how, you, how you see God. What do you do when you sin? Be real with yourself. We all fall short of the glory of God, the Bible teaches us. So how do you see God when you sin? Do you do this? And run away? Or do you kind of like, here's your sin. It's the fat elephant in the room. We just like walking around. Okay, maybe if I just keep walking fast, God can't see it. He might not be able to 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 see my sin. Maybe he can't see my sin. Oh, what if he sees my sin? Oh, my goodness. What if he sees my sin? You can really discover how you view God by, by seeing how you feel when you sin. Now I want some answers. How do we view God? How do you view God in your own personal life? You just be honest. I had to, I had to recognize that I saw God as like a master. <laughs> He's the master and I'm the slave. That's really how I saw it. I come to serve you. Every morning when I get up, I am here for your service. Oh, okay. I really don't want to do this, but whatever. And it, whoosh, you know, give me a, a lashing when I do something wrong. How do we view God? Zach? Okay. Okay. So, Father, will you feel that shame? Okay, how else do we view God? As a what? That's a great image. A wealthy man that respects everybody. That's a really interesting image. Because we all have images of God. How else do we view God? How else do we, How do you view God personally? <laughs> Some of you are so scared. You don't know. You're not sure. You're just, you just answer. Let's see. No one else has an answer? Okay. Here's what I want. Go, Katie. Okay, so maybe he's always going to be there for you. Let me, just, let me just play this out with you. Katie, Katie sees God as always going to be there for her no matter what. I view God as the master and I'm the slave. 
How am I going to come before God when I have to ask him something? How am I going to come before him? Tell me how. how am I? Very fearfully. In a good fear or a bad fear? Maybe a bad fear. Katie views God as, uh, what would you say again? He'll be there for you every time you need him. How's Katie going to come before God? Boldly. She's not even going to think he doesn't want to see me. She's not even going to think I just messed up. He won't welcome me. No, because he's always there. Jesus showed up on the scene 2,000 plus years ago. And for the first time, he brought God to humans as father. All the time before that, they knew God as master. They knew God as deliverer. Read through the Old Testament. They knew God as their redeemer temporarily. But Jesus was the first one to ever bring God down to the likeness of a father. Do your research. No other religion in the world would ever esteem to do that. It would be blasphemy to say that God could be so close and be your father. Blasphemy. Get kicked out of the religion. But Jesus was the first one to ever bring him down as father. So Jesus sees it because he is his father. Very good. So it might be easy for Jesus to say that God is father, right? That's a very good point. Okay, so where does that leave you and me? Thank you for bringing that up. That's an excellent point. Yeah, go ahead. But how do you know we're his children? Jesus obviously could say, you're my father in heaven. But how? How do we know? You see, this is something every Christian has got to settle in their heart. Biffany? Call, keep going, go. What? Very good. So we become like his children by what we do? Okay, so they just started to see that they're children of God. Who else has some answers? I want to show you the answer from Scripture. Very good point. Can you go over just to, oh, Brandon, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> All right, so we'll read verse 8 together. Here we go. Therefore, do not be like them for your father. That's why I had you say it, your father. Okay, time out. This young man, what's your name, bro? I'm sorry, I haven't got your name yet. Charlie. Charlie brought up a great point. Jesus could say, he's my father, because we know that God is the father of Jesus. But how do you get the right to be the son or daughter of God? Uh, now I want you to see it. Go over three books to the right. Go over to the book of John. Four books to the right. I want you to go to John chapter 1, verse 12. Every Christian has got to settle this in their hearts. Because how we approach God... How we view God when we approach him will determine if we can ever receive from him. John 1.12. When you get there, say, I got it. Oh, this is so good. Let's go, to verse, um, let's go to verse 11 so you can understand this a little more. John 1.11 says, he came to his own. Now, is your H capitalized on he and him? 
Yes, it should be. Because who's it talking about there? Who's that talking about there? Do you know? It's talking about Jesus. Everyone say Jesus. We're going we're gonna to insert the name of Jesus there. Jesus came to his own, that's people. Who were Jesus' own people? Help me understand. But before that, no, 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 watch this. Who were Jesus? Who, what? The Jews, the Hebrews. Watch this now. Jesus came to his own people. We know them as the Jews, the sons of Abraham. And his own did not receive him. Very important point. Not all Jews, not all Hebrews, but you know, the Sanhedrin crucified Jesus. Those were the, those were the, uh, those were the, um, the Pharisees. Those were the ones who loved God, supposedly. And they're the ones that crucified Jesus. That's the point. Jesus came to his very own people. He was born a Jew, but his own did not receive him. But watch this now. But as many as received Jesus to them, Jesus gave the right That means the power and the authority to become children of God. When you believe and when you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, he not only becomes your Lord and Savior, he becomes your father. He is your father in heaven. But as many as receive Jesus, they have been given the right. See, how if you don't know that you can view God as father, you're going to run from him when you sin. If you don't know that God loves you like a father loves you, then you're going to come before him with fear. And you're not going to receive what he has for you. Let me tell you the reason why many of us struggle with this. Many of us struggle with the idea that God is our father because we struggle in our own natural relationships with our father. That's the truth. Many of us have a hard time receiving from God and seeing God as father Because we've had some poor examples here on this planet. It's very sad. And that's what messes with us. We come to church and we hear that God loves us. And we hear that he's going to be there all the time. But where was dad? He wasn't there all the time. Whether he worked later, maybe something happened. Or maybe he cheated on my mom. Is God going to cheat on me with somebody else? Is he never going to be there? We have sometimes, not all of us, we struggle with this concept Because we have a poor, some of us have a really hard, difficult relationship with our fathers. And if we don't understand that God is not like our natural father, if we don't understand that God's ways are so greater than the ways of our natural father, then we will not receive God's best for our life. I want to show you another scripture here. We're going to go to the book of James, James chapter 1, turn to the right. James chapter 1, verse 16. God is not like your natural father in the sense where your father has failed, God would never fail, okay? Listen, our dads are human. That's the tough part. We're all human, and we all make choices. We make good choices, and we make bad choices. And I really believe that sometimes the reason why we struggle receiving from God and seeing God as Father is because we might have had a rough relationship with our Father. But if you can move past that and love your dad just because he's a child of God, or just even if he's not born again, you just love him because you know you want to see him saved, and you know you want to see him set free. This is what James has to say. But I want you to understand that you need to see God not like you see your father. And and I'm going to explain that in one second. Here we go. James chapter 1 verse 16. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. 
every good and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation. That means change or shadow of turning. Every good and every perfect gift comes from above and comes from the Father of lights. What lights do you see that were naturally made? The sun and what else? The stars and the moon. What, do those lights ever change? Well, they exist, but do they ever change? Sure. We see the sun in the morning and it goes away in the evening, right? And then we see the stars. And in the daytime, you don't often see the stars, right? Can we agree with that? They change. And in fact, they even move. I mean, if you, if you do study science, like you learn about supernovas, how a, a, you know, a star just might kind of just explode. So they change, right? We can all agree that they change, whether they just move or whether they just, you know, come out at night and then go away during the daytime. What it's saying here is that God is not like the lights that he created. He is always good. He is always perfect. That's what it says right here. Every good and every perfect gift comes down from above and comes from your father who doesn't change and who doesn't turn with the shadow. We need to begin to see God as Father. As we start this brand new year, Jesus said, Our Father, our Father in heaven, our Father. How you view God will determine how you approach Him. And how you approach God will determine if you ever receive from Him, what you ever receive from Him, and how you receive from Him. I know that I had to learn this in my life. I, I saw God as a master. And so I would only expect him to, to give me good things when I did good things. You understand what I'm saying? I would only, I would only ever expect him to, do, to give me good things when I did good things. Because I saw him as a master. And if I messed up, he was upset with me. But as you read through the Bible, you see that God's goodness and his perfectness never changes. So... Whether you have the best relationship in the world with your dad or whether you have a really poor relationship with your dad, recognize that the ways of God are above the ways of man. Here's the final scripture I want to show you. Go back to the first book we started in, which is the book of Matthew. Jesus talks about our natural fathers. In Matthew chapter 6, Actually, Matthew chapter 7, I'm sorry. If you go to Matthew chapter 7, I want you to verse 11. When you get there, say, I got it. Matthew chapter 7, verse 11. Jesus talks about our earthly fathers. And this is what he says. He's talking to fathers here, okay? He says, if you then being evil. Now, he's not saying that all fathers in the world are evil. What he's saying then, if you then being worldly people. If you then being of the world, watch this, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Give good things to those who ask him. I'm telling you, change the way you view God. It's very interesting because there's a, there's a pastor 
and, uh, and a preacher, and he, he caught one of the things in the Scripture. If you read through the Scripture and you read through the Gospels, Peter always told the Lord Jesus how much he loved him. In fact, he went back, and after he had sinned and Jesus redeemed him and, uh, and re, re, uh, re, reinstated, uh, restored, restored him, how he restored him, restored him, Peter just goes, I love you. He says, do you love me? He says, I love you. I love you. Peter talks a lot about how much he loved Jesus. But when Jesus was crucified, where was Jesus? Where was Peter? Think your Bible here. When Jesus was being crucified, where was Peter? Just shout it out. No, 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 no. Don't, don't get confused. I'm going to give you that gentleman in a second. Yeah. Where was Peter? Peter was hiding. Peter was cursing and swearing against God. Do you remember when he saw those people? He's like, just, he just all of a sudden, Peter went crazy. I was like, he just started swearing. It'd be like you and I start, you know, hauling off F-bombs or something like that. Peter, it says he cursed. He started to swear. No, I don't know him. You know, he started throwing all these blanks, blankety-blank blanks in there. Peter started to deny Jesus. But Peter said, I love you, Jesus. Now, there was one who the Bible says Jesus loved. And who was that? That was John. And Jesus loved John. John didn't talk about his great affection for Jesus, even though he did love him. Jesus loved John. And where was John at the time of the crucifixion? He was with Mary at the foot of the cross. In fact, Jesus turns over his mother, the responsibility of caring for his mother, to John. Here's what I want you to see. We can come to church all the time and say, I love you, God. I love you, God. I love you, God. But if we never let him reciprocate that, we're just like Peter. We go outside and we deny him when times get tough. But if we learn to let him love us, our hearts will be transformed. If we learn to let him love us like a father, then our hearts will be transformed. That's what I realized. I used to tell God how much I love him, and I do. I, 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 I'm so overwhelmed. You heard the song we sang up there. I'm so overwhelmed and I'm so captivated by his love. But it's because he wooed me. It's because he drew me in with his love. That's why we respond with love. We love because he first loved us. So this year, let God love you. How about that, huh? Press in enough to let him love you. Press in enough to let him heal you in your heart where you're broken. Press in enough to let him love you as a father should. Because he will always be there. He will always be there. The first line says, our Father in heaven. We understand now we need to view God as Father, but that in heaven line is so important. Our Father in heaven, that's a term of position. You see, the first term that we get is relationship. What's my relationship to God? He's my Father. The second term that we get is a term of position. He's in heaven. If God is in heaven, Jesus is showing us through this one prayer that he has all sufficiency to meet our need. He's not bound by earthly resources. You understand that? Our Father, my Father in heaven. You're putting him in that position which is over the entire world, which means he is greater. He is greater than your circumstance. He is greater. Our Father, my relationship with him in heaven, his position. As a father watching over me. I want to close with this example. God is truly your father. And a lot of people see things in life that happen as coincidences. 
I don't ever see things as coincidences because I know God is my father. And because I know God is my father, I know that he keeps careful watch over his children. He is a father. He keeps careful watch over his children. When I was young and one of my neighbors used to beat me up all the time, my dad would come running out the door. Even if he had to pull the kid off of me, he would pull the kid off of me. You know, a father watches over his children. This past Thursday, we're upstairs rehearsing in the sanctuary, and my kids are out in the front of the sanctuary. You know, they're just kind of playing. All the, my wife put all the toys out. We're at rehearsal. The kids are playing, and they're, they're up there all night, up there all night. We're the band. We're up. We're, we're, we're going through the final song. This is so cool. We're going through the final song, and about, you know, maybe a minute after, well, well as before we started the final song, my daughter just starts, like, running around the sanctuary. She's stealing the usher stuff. She's taking, you know, a bunch of things that she shouldn't be taking. She's coloring all over the usher's envelopes. And we're just like, oh, my goodness, what are we going to do? She's moving everything around. She's taking tissue, running around the sanctuary in the back. And my wife's, like, chasing her, trying to get, Lily, Lily, come over here. You're tired. You're not listening. She's in the back. And then uh, one of our uh, band members' moms was there. So uh, she just kind of caught my wife and just started talking to her. And my wife, you know, she was trying to watch Lily, and she knew she had to come back up front. But, you know, this woman, the mom just kept talking to my wife, and she kept talking to her. And Jen's like, I got I to gotta go. I got to get back up front. We have to get up there. We have to, and all of a sudden, as we strike this cord, this, uh, this, this light bulb in the ceiling, one of the, one of the main fixtures, completely explodes and shoots everywhere. Shards of glass come flying out all over the first five rows of the sanctuary. This flame comes right out of the, uh, of the light. I just, this is a very, very hot light bulb, by the way. I don't know what they're using up there, but it is an extremely hot light bulb. It literally exploded and shot shards of glass and the filament. That's what I was saying. It was like a spark of like a little fire. Red hot came rushing down. And it just shot right into the carpet and shot right into the seats and melted through the seats and melted through the carpet. And, you know, we're just like, oh, okay, we should clean that up. You know, we weren't really thinking anything. But as the night kind of went on, we just start, drove home. We started to realize, wait a minute, Lily, Noah, and my wife were up there the whole night exactly where those shards of glass came shooting out, burned into the carpet, literally burned through the chairs. You can ask Mr. Allen. He had to replace those chairs. My kids were up there all night. Their toys were still up there. And as we drove home, we began to realize, wow, you totally knew that was going to happen, and you moved my family to the back. Not, not, just, not just far enough away, but you moved them so far away, they were completely protected under the overhang of the balcony. You moved them away from the disaster that was coming. We were up on the stage, protected by the overhang of the stage. You, us, you kept us separate from the disaster that was about to happen, and we didn't even know it was going to happen. Translation, real world. Disaster may strike. You don't have to be gripped by fear because God will move you so far away from the disaster that's coming and there'll be a shield of protection over you because he is your father. That's the difference of seeing him as father. He keeps careful watch over his children. He does. It's easy to lay awake at night and be afraid about what could happen tomorrow. But you can rest in peace, not eternally, but you can rest in peace knowing that your father is watching over you. You understand? You understand? He's a father who loves you. Our father in heaven, his position is greater than ours. He has all sufficiency to meet our need. Father, we come before you today in the matchless name of Jesus, and we thank you for who you are. We bless your name right now, and we love you in response to your love. We love you because you first 
loved us. You keep careful watch over us because we're your children. Father, we turn our hearts toward you today. We just say thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We bless your name right now and give you all praise, all honor, and all glory. We've come this morning just to worship you because we have seen how awesome you are. We have seen how amazing you are, Father. And we love you so much. Lord, as we begin this new year, we ask for your strength and your wisdom and your guidance. But more than anything, we just ask you to be near. We're not going to be running from you anymore. We, we want to be near. We want to be near you. We know that you love us. We want to be near you. So stay near to us, God. We know you will because your word says it. If we draw near, you will draw near to us. So we're drawing this morning. We're drawing near this morning. As we start this brand new year, our heart's desire is just to know you and to know your love. Father, we bless this generation. We bless each and every one of them. 